Hello from Murray Bait and Tackle on the south end of Guttenberg, Iowa. Landmark is the big walleye, the overhead sign with the word bait in three foot tall letters. Coming from the south on Highway 52 is a beautiful drive that tops out on the Honey Overlook Ridge and drops down steeply to the river valley below. The owner is Bob Urban, who has purchased the entire facility from Beth Murray, who's retiring after building up the business for many years. Bob is now taking it to a new level with all the standards of a great small town bait shop plus electronics and equipment to make fishing more productive, comfortable, and fun. Murray's is open seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. on Monday through Saturday and 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. on Sunday. Hello everyone and welcome back to How's the Bite. I'm Ken Root joined by Bob Urban, who is uh, witnessing a major change in the weather, to say the least. Bob, every week we talk about weather because it's so radically changed. We went from some of the coldest weather we've had to now. Where is it right now on what the high will be today? I think we started off at about 20 degrees today, Friday, and and this morning I think we're going to be in the mid-30s maybe. It's not going to be near as warm as it was yesterday, so... And we're looking, uh, we're looking to stay that way. So we're going to keep ice, and things are going to think that stay safe for us up here in the uh, Guttenberg area. Well, it's good that you're not getting extreme temperature rises because in some parts of the country, that's going to cause a huge amount of snow melt, even to the point that there's rain predicted, and that could cause some very serious flooding. Also, I would think if you got a major change, it would. Uh, soften up and make some of that ice a little dangerous talking about weather like every friday on these podcasts but unfortunately that weather is plays a major factor for if we can fish uh how the fish are biting um when the fronts are coming through but right now we're in mid ice fishing season it is uh this is usually the busiest weekends for us um with people on break uh the way the holidays fell this year people are having like friday and monday off a lot of a lot of people for um christmas christmas eve kind of stuff and then new year's eve and new year's day so it's a big holiday for everybody a lot of people looking to get out i worked the store earlier this morning and uh, a lot of people getting out for the first time wanting to know if the ice is safe lots of cleats being sold ice cleats this morning um just for the safety purposes a lot of water on the ice but it's not that that water is on the ice because the ice is melting. It was that snowpack and the snow melt that melted. Well, I guess you can have water going back in the holes. Uh, you know, you've got those holes to drain that water off the ice. It it does, and the fish like that, obviously. Like on the on the late ice bite, it seems like when the waters are going down the holes, the fish the fish bite better is what what I always say. So, well, what's the word on um, how the bite is this week? leading into this Friday where we're talking and the potential for the weekend? Yeah, so um, I think we'll talk with Larry, too, lures with Larry, but uh, he works the beginning of the week, so he might have a little bit better of a report. Just a lot of fish being caught on some of these areas that we were just able to get to safely. Uh, One of those areas uh, after that cold snap was Stein McGill, uh, the bull launch there, where we call it on the, the north side is Norwegian, Walking up there and sandbar um, is even further up. 
guys are getting up in those areas. It's about a ma- uh, half-mile walk up there, so it prevents some people from getting up there, but a lot of bluegill, a lot of limits of bluegill, a lot of sorting. Those are the first times that those fish are being touched uh, or seeing any baits in, in this first ice season. Down south of Methodist, Little Methodist is not safe. The Wyloosing Slough at Snymagill. That's just not a, a safe place for anybody to get to until we get really, really cold and that locks up because there is some current there. Bussy Lake, same thing, really heavy pressure. Um, the bite has slowed down a little bit. It's about an every other day bite, which is very common. After first ice, uh, again, really good perch fishing it was. Not as many, a lot of sorting going on there, bluegills and perch. A few crappies here and there at Bussy, um, but the ice is holding. We're still at uh, 10 inches on a lot of the stuff and uh, 6 inches out in the weeds and stuff out there. So uh, good ice, a lot of people out, a lot of pressure. Um, I would just recommend maybe getting away from the crowds if you wanted to get into some bigger fish. Bob, what are uh, Benny and the other professional fishermen saying is the the best kind of uh, jigs or other types of bait to be able to catch these fish? Geez, it seems like now, um, Benny, I'm trying to think what Benny would you I don't even know if Benny got out this week. <laughs> he spends more time in the shop, I think, than he does out on the ice. But I'll try to get him out this weekend and see what he does. He, I think he likes that Wonder Bread, not to give away his jig, but that Wonder Bread pattern they call a clown pattern. It's the multi faceted and multicolored dots on a on a white jig really good really good color combination if it's not that one i would say a lot of gold being sold a lot of shiny gold not necessarily the dull but the plated gold where they plate the actual jig and there's a lot of jigs uh different companies that we carry at the store there those are the two things that i'm noticing a lot um and then probably micro spoons like the little cecil's the little mix rocky's twin ring um selling a lot of those This week we have two features coming up. One of them is Lures with Larry, but actually Larry has been uh, putting together uh, ice fishing tents for you, uh, for customers. So how's that been going? (laughs) I'm glad he's doing it. That's what I can say. Uh, Just the time. We tried doing it at the store, tried to get get doing it the last few years, and it just, you, you get a bolt in and then a customer comes in. Not saying we don't want customers to come in. We love you guys. But, boy, where are you left off on that ratchet or that bolt or that, that nut? So what he's doing on his days off, I have him working, and we're, we're getting him taken care of on that, on assembling. And then once he puts one together, he'll put two or three or four together of the same kind. And the customers really want him put together anymore. He knows how to do it. He does it properly. He's done about you'll, – you'll have to ask him. I think he's – getting close to a dozen that he's already put together um we sell some in the boxes we sell some with already put together it seems like for that extra 60 dollars um it takes him several hours to do one so and all the all the stuff we charge 60 dollars more it's definitely worth it i would pay it all the different brands and all the different stuff it's just hard to get that seam and that canvas attached to the sled is the hardest part um he's got that down to a science he might tell some some of the some of the tricks maybe of the trade too if you want to buy one in the box uh, just to shorten the process up. I know a hair dryer or a heat gun heats that little band up. That is really really the trick to get those attached to the sled. But 
he'll tell you all about that. Uh, Lures with Larry, and I'll be talking tents today. The other interview we have is on taxidermy, both on animals and fish. And I talked to Brandon Post, who has a taxidermy store over in uh, Dubuque. Fascinating young man, very professional in everything that he described, and it's part of his lifestyle as well. Um, I told him that he, he might be a redneck, and when you listen to this, you can understand uh, what I meant by that. But he's also bringing his own kids in to come back and work with him a little bit in the shop. And he says he has a, a, a display room as well right there off of his shop. So quite a story on how you should take care of a deer um, if you're going to get it mounted and also fish and then also the potential for having a uh, replica mount on fish you want to turn back but back in the river and let somebody else have a shot at them. The hardest thing about this podcast is, is probably trying to get stuff that our listeners want to know, want to find out. Um, everybody goes fishing, everybody does this, but there's been several times where you catch that fish. Uh, just saw one on Facebook, a uh, nice red ear of a, of a guy that had it, and he's going to get it mounted. But how do we not goof that up? Or what can we do right to prevent any damage to that animal or that fish? It's always a question that comes in. Why not ask a professional? And the taxidermy is where things go. When we catch your trophies, you know, we're getting you set up to catch a trophy here at the store. But when you do get a trophy, because you, you probably will if you put time on the water or if you put time in the woods, uh, out in the outdoors, you're probably going to get a trophy in your lifetime. And then how do you do it? What do you do with it then? And that's why I, I call Brandon, um, super nice guy, uh, was totally into the podcast. Um, and I can't wait to listen to it today. Well, Bob, I think we have covered it all once again, and this is our last show of the year. And uh, we've had a tremendous increase in the number of people who have followed this podcast, and I want to say thank you to all of you. And also, I think that I've gotten a greater recognition for your store. When people come in there, they meet your employees and you, and you guys know what you're talking about. And if you come in and you're not sure what you're looking for, Dan, Larry, others can lay this out for you, and you can then make a, an honest selection of what you want, and you can take it to the field to try it. Yeah, yeah, and that's what we're going for. Um, podcast is super fun. I listened to the one, our first one, Ken, I listened to it last night just to see where we've uh, come from, and I would say it's definitely the path that, that I wanted to see it and what we can bring to the community, what we can bring to the outdoors in Northeast Iowa. And I wanted to thank you professionally, perfect uh, voice for it, knowledgeable, and hopefully we can get you out fishing in 2023 now that you know everything. Well, you know, having friends makes a world of difference on uh, how much you know about where to go. So, Bob, Happy New Year to you. Everyone out there, be safe. Uh, it's amateur night on the 31st, in my opinion, so uh, just stay away from that, and uh, <laughs> we'll see you next year. Yeah, I agree with you, Ken. Thanks again, bud. Let's go to Lures with Larry. Now, Lures with Larry this week is not going to be about lures. It's going to be about luring you out of the cold and into a fishing tent that gives you a chance to fish longer and be able to still be a real man about it. So, Larry, how you doing? 
I am good today, Ken. Yourself? I am doing well. Um, people should know that I'm in Florida and you're in Iowa, but I can relate to the cold and uh, the people that are out there fishing that really, you know, they want to stay out there and they want to stay with the fishing, but the weather is against them. Uh, you have a solution to that I'd like for you to talk about. Yeah, the weather is against all odds out there sometime, but, you know, at Murray Outdoors, we sell ice fishing huts and um, tents. So um, I just wanted to let you be aware of all the different models and types of tents that we, we have in the store. Some are assembled, some are in boxes, but just wanted to get everybody an update of what we have. So the tents have been great. The sales have been great. 90% of them are thermal tents to get you out there and keep you warm. And we also sell the buddy heaters and propane. Um, so, you know, you can be out there at 20 degrees and still have 60 degrees inside your thermal tent if you wish. So, But we sell a, di a bunch of different brands. Uh, the Freybell has been a pretty good tent for us, and that comes in a one-man or a two-man. And with the one-man, it's a, it's a perfect tent for anybody, actually. But if you're older, it's only a 60-pound tent. Just flip over set up, and you're out on the ice, augering holes, and, and ready to fish. And then we also have the clams uh, tents. We have uh, one-person and two-person thermos. Uh, the Eskimo tents have gone real well this year. They have one-man wide, uh, where the front of the tent expands an extra 18 inches, gives you more foot room and more room to drill holes. And then we also have uh, just flip-up hubs that don't have sleds underneath them that just pop on the ice and uh they've been great so far so we are supplied uh heavy with all of our tents and have great prices on them so it's a great option to come up take a look or give us a call bob says that you are putting these together for customers for a fee i believe he's giving you five dollars and he's charging 60. is that right yeah, pretty close, yeah. No, um, yeah, we we assemble. A lot of people buy them, you know, just out of the box, assemble themselves. But we, we get $60 for assembly. And it's, you know, basically three and a half for four hour uh, to assemble one of the tents. Now, we have the hubs, which you just take out on the ice, unfold them. They pop up basically by themselves. But, uh, you know, 90% of the sleds that we have, uh, ice huts that we have, all have sleds underneath of them, too. So it takes a while to put it together, but we just wanted to make everybody aware of the tents, the heaters, and then the, the new electronics out there, too. Some of the view cameras, and we sell Markham underwater cameras, and the Vexlars and flashers that all go down the hole to... Uh, you see the fish, watch a fish come into your bait. So we're set up for a basic thing, zero degrees. You can be out there with a tent and a heater and still enjoying the great outdoors and catching. Well, the bluegills and crappies have been really good, and ring perch have been excellent up on the Mississippi or Guttenberg area. Well, Larry, to me, you shouldn't have to suffer to ice fish. And you've got this electronics, which seems to me would be – more visible to you if you were in a little lower light condition if it happened to be real sunny at midday or that time of day and you can last longer if you get yourself insulated uh, from the bottom and from the top i would think that you could stay comfortable for 
quite a few hours inside one of those tents and capable to really exercise your true ability to fish. Yeah, that's so true, Ken. And we get a lot of guys that come out and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be out there for eight hours, you know, and just enjoying the day and catching fish and sorting fish to keep better keepers. And the thing is, if it's, if it's a nicer day in the 30s, a lot of people come out of the tents, drill holes, and visit with the next fisherman and, and fish outside. And if you get a chill, you can jump back in your, your thermal tent and pop your heater back on, and you're just toasty warm. Larry, the stories of Minnesota of a generation ago were that they would have a lake next to a town, and they would go out and lay out streets on the lake, and then everybody would take their old-style wooden fishing hut and drag it out there and fish, and it was right. an entire community. You know, it, it, as Garrison yeah. Keillor, world without women. But it was yeah. a community that they enjoyed themselves, just like what you're saying. Yep, that that is so true, and a lot of places still, you know, have paths out to their, uh, you know, to their ice and to the little backwater areas, and you can drive out through them with side-by-sides and pull, and they pull their tents out there, and, uh, you know, you just need good ice to, uh, to do all that, and, and people with pickups are out on the ice, too, once you get enough ice, so it, it's just a great sport uh, to be out there through the winter if you're a fisherman, and... Uh, it's been going great for us up at um, Marie Outdoors with all of our ice fishing and ice fishing equipment. All right. Well, Larry, the best to you as you move into the new year, and thank you for talking to us today, and hopefully Bob will give you a raise. Minimum wage is going up next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can help me out with that, Ken, next time you talk to him. Well, I appreciate everything in your call and the podcast, and have a great New Year's, too. Bob, today I have the pleasure of talking to, I would call it a support industry of those who catch uh, big fish, those who harvest a uh, record deer, or just one that means a lot to you. He's Brandon Post from Dubuque, who is a taxidermist. And Brandon, we're delighted to have you on with us because you can tell us the realities of what it takes to be able to take that trophy and get it turned into something that when you display it, it still is a trophy. Tell me how you got into being a taxidermist. Thanks, Ken, for having me. Yeah, I got into taxidermy when I was 10 years old. My dad bought me a squirrel kit for Christmas. Got it Christmas Day, opened it up, excited. I never wanted to throw anything away that I shot. always tried preserving skins of fish and squirrels. So I got that kit on Christmas Day when I was 10 and went out the next day. Shot myself a squirrel and started the process that day and been doing it ever since. You know, my first thought there was if your daddy bought you a squirrel kit to taxidermy when you were 10 years old, you might be a redneck, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was just, I don't know. Everything was so neat looking, like pheasants, you know, and I still think that it's like, God, it's just a shame to throw these, you know, these beautiful birds away. A lot of guys just like keeping the tail feathers or whatnot, but, and even fish, there's so many neat colors and uh, metallics, different colors and fish to where uh, an average person can't keep a fish, I guess, preserve it themselves, you know, unless they do know the process, but it does take a little bit of time and, and knowledge. Well, it definitely takes more than I have. It is amazing to me how beautiful some animals and fish are when you first uh, harvest them. A 
walleye coming out of the water glitters. A sunny perch sparkles. You know, all these colors, but they don't last very long. You really can't see them after a little while. And Yep, yep. the pig, pigment in the skin, it, it fades out fairly quickly as soon as that oxygen starts to delete in the fish. So, yeah, the best thing to do, I mean, if you are going to get something mounted, you know, a fish out right out of the water, the best thing, I mean, everybody's got cell phones with cameras now, is just start snapping a bunch of pictures, you know, detailed pictures, far away pictures, can pretty much paint exactly from that picture, so. Okay, so you're looking at color tones, and not every fish of the same species has the same coloration or depth of color, does it? Not everyone's different in their own own ways, from all the way from their base colors all the way out to, you know, the final steps of the detail paints. Now, a good thing about deer and um, land animals is that their fur uh, tends to remain pretty much the same if you handle it right. And you uh, can make that part uh, literally identical because it is the animal itself. But the mounting of a deer, to me, seems like it's a tricky thing, maybe a, something that's just hard to do. Tell me, do you do deer mounts? I do. I do quite a bit of deer mounts uh, every year. And that's probably my main bread and butter around the Midwest here. I mean, whitetails, we get some huge whitetails around here. And just really popular ever since even really COVID started in 2020 it has gotten even more popular where I've been uh, really busy, which is, has been really nice. That is good. I didn't know that COVID would generate that. What you're saying is more people went hunting and more people shot deer and more people had some government money to get them mounted with? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. yeah. As soon as that, it seemed like as soon as that money kind of kicked in, they had a little bit extra to, to, to fund their mounts and whatnot. What's the key to... Uh, getting a um, white-tailed deer in our part of the world uh, to you in the best shape possible to get a superior quality mount? Uh, it all starts, I mean, from the minute you shoot it, you do the best you can do to recover it as soon as possible before, I mean, the minute that deer starts to feast, it, it starts to spoil. So best thing, I mean, as soon as you can get that out of the woods and when you are taking it out of the woods or where not is, best not to drag it on the front shoulders. I see it time and time again. Guys are excited, grab them horns, and they just start pulling. And that whole front shoulder, I use both sides of that front shoulder. And I'll get a few mounts in every year that pretty much the hair is gone. And the guy's like, oh, I didn't think I needed, you know, needed that far back. So best thing is if you can, you know, hike that, that deer up and kind of, if you do have to drag it out, I always say is a, like a, a sled, a plastic sled, an ice fishing sled. I mean, even in leaves, with no snow, they still travel pretty good. And Or if you don't have that, you can just take a, a more heavy-duty tarp, wrap that deer right up, and pull it right out, and let that tarp take the brunt of the, you know, all the sticks, weeds, and dirt. Then uh, once you get it home, get it hung up, get it cooled down as quick as possible. Uh, if you can tape it out, I do offer skinning and taping out right here at the shop, uh, free of charge. And I'd rather me do it than have a customer cut it the wrong way, if they are unsure. I mean, plenty of guys know or buddies know how to do it, but I'd just rather have have a good hide to work with and not a bunch of cuts and whatnot in it. So so you're saying that if uh, they have a, a deer that they want mounted for whatever reason, that if they just brought it directly to you, 
that you then take it from there and uh, do you th throw away the meat or do you give them the meat back at that moment in time? What do you do? I hang it right in shop here, uh, even back right in right in the door, hang it right in shop, and it takes me about 10 minutes just to cape them out. And I'll uh, wrap them up with food-grade plastic and and uh, they can take them to their processor, take them home and, and uh, start butchering or whatever they need need to do. So, Do you have a website? I have a Facebook page. It's uh, Post Taxidermy on Facebook. All my recent pictures are on there, uh, recent mounts, past mounts. Uh, my address is on there. That's a good way to get a hold of me. Uh, my phone number is on there, too. Post Taxidermy on Facebook. Do you have a business email? Post Taxidermy at yahoo.com. Let's go back to fish. Sure. Uh, I want to tell you a story. It may not make the show, but I just want to tell it to you because I'm an old man. It makes me feel good. No problem. The only bass that I ever got mounted was a seven-pounder caught out of a strip mine pit in Kansas. Now, in that area of the world where they used to mine coal in the late 19th and early 20th century, they just dug the overburden off and then pulled the coal out and then just kept moving. So it was a terribly torn-up area, but they went in to um, reclaim it with a lot of government money, and they left this circle pit. So they had a lake, basically, that was about a mile around. That was about mm, 60 feet wide. And uh, I went with fishing game in Kansas uh, with a photographer, two boats, and we began to fish for bass, and uh, that way we were going to be able to get a TV show out of it. Sure. Well, the man I was fishing with got in the front of the boat with the trolling motor, and he wasn't necessarily a bad guy. He was just aggressive. And so all the new water for the entire mile, Brandon, he fished it. And I got to throw in, you know, after him because he's 15 feet in front of me, and I don't want to get in his line. Sure. So finally, we are in sight of the dock where we're going to get out, and I have caught zero fish. He's caught a couple of small fish, and we've been out there for a long time, which is really not good with uh, TV because you've got to produce results. That's right. Yep. So at the last moment, there is a fish that takes a good strong run at his lure, and he tips it just a little bit, but he lost it. So he throws back. And we continue to drift, and he continues to turn around and go back to where that fish was. And for the first time in the whole day, I have opened new water, and I throw into it, and bam, I got a seven-pound bass. Nice. To That's say cool. that angry was an understatement. Oh, I bet. Yep. But I pulled that fish out, and I thought, you know, I'm not that good a fisherman. This is probably the best fish I'm ever going to catch. So I uh, took it in and had it mounted. And I'm as proud of that fish as if it were a world record. Yes, that's, that's a good-sized bass. Or... Well, it's just nice to be able to, you know, to remember things by that. And uh, I've, uh, I've I've parted it all over everywhere, and I've uh, actually broken the septum in between the, the dorsal fin uh, and I don't. I think it was damaged at the beginning, just a little bit. But uh, there's a certain satisfaction. Do you see it in the eyes of people when you deliver that uh, mounted fish to them? I do. Yep. With with all everything 
uh, that I produce out of here. It's I take it as I guess giving credit back to the animal. It kind of it doesn't irritate me, but it's like um, like a big buck or something that somebody doesn't do anything with. They pretty much just cut the horns off and kind of throw it in a corner. It just kind of that buck I don't think deserves that. Um, that's my personal opinion. Um, with a big fish, you know, if, it's kind of a different, a little bit different story there where you could release it or you could eat it. You know, as long as you're doing something with it instead of just kind of just throwing it away, I, I guess is, is good. But my biggest thing here is to recreate that species, that deer, that fish, that duck, that pheasant, like God intended. I mean, I'm never going to be as good as, good as God, you know, made these creatures, but I'm going to definitely try my darndest to, uh, produce the best amount I can with the best materials. If you want to view Brandon's Facebook page and see his work, contact information, and location, it is Post Taxidermy. His email is posttaxidermy at yahoo.com. P-O-S-T-T-A-X-I-D-E-R-M-Y at yahoo.com. Brandon talked with me about deer mounting as well also hide tanning and other fascinating subjects. We're going to save that for a future show. So count on hearing from this professional taxidermist again.